Welcome to the sermon podcast for New Life Church's Cabot Campus. We are located at 3400 West Main Street in Cabot, Arkansas. Our service times are Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. To find more information about what we believe, upcoming events, and more, please visit newlifechurch.tv or you can text the word Cabot to 88000. Continuing in this Book of Acts series, so if you're new around here, you weren't here last week, started this series. Uh, the Book of Acts really is a part of a two-part book written by Luke. Uh, he wrote Luke and Acts. And he, he wrote a lot of the New Testament uh, through those two books, and he was a traveling companion of Paul, he and Mark both, and they went back and they got firsthand eyewitness accounts of the life and ministry of Jesus, and also what happened after the death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus. And the book of Acts, it literally in the Greek means action. So if you like action, you're gonna love this book. But what I love about it is because it's not just the name of a book, but it's a call to us, to action. So when we read through this, it isn't just, wow, these are some cool stories. No, it's our marching orders. This is what God, this is what, what the Holy Spirit, through Luke, is communicating like, look, this is, this is not just something that happened 2,000 years ago. The spirit that was moving then is still the spirit that is moving today. The gifts that were manifesting there are still the gifts that are manifesting today. And, uh, and so I love that about this. And today I wanna talk about this moment in Peter the Apostle's life uh, that was transformative for him. But, but the transformation actually happened before this moment, but this is when it really started to manifest. Peter was kind of an act first, speak first, think later type guy, okay? I don't know about you. I can relate to that sometimes. Like sometimes I'm just like, oh, and I was like, oh, no. Like he's the kind of guy, though, that he would create those moments that some of us can relate to. It's like, man, I wish I could rewind about 15 seconds and get a do-over. Like all of us have been in those moments before. I know I've been in those moments. I don't know if any of you have ever gone up to a lady and said, when you're you do, and she is not pregnant. I don't know if that's ever happened to you before. Uh, I don't know if you've ever started to type out a text or you started to talk to text and autocorrect corrected something, but you didn't see it and you sent that text, all right? I don't know if that's ever happened. I've never done that, but my wife has sent some very inappropriate texts before because she talked to text and it corrected her text, okay? It's a story for another time maybe. But, But all of us have probably had those moments. If you're raising kids, kids provide those types of moments all the time. Like kids are constantly providing those moments. Like, man, I wish I could have a do-over right there. I wish I could just kind of rewind. Like, I don't know if any of you, like, for instance, ever had a kid just strip down naked in public. I don't know if that's ever happened to you or if you ever had a kid that pulls fire alarms in places or if you ever had a kid that had a tendency to run away from home and one day ran away, ran about three quarters of a mile down the road, walked in some stranger's house, plopped themselves on the couch, turned on the TV while the owner was in the back room in their bathroom. I don't know if that's ever happened to any of y'all before. I've heard, I know a guy. Uh, the kids certainly provide those types of instances. And, and the thing about Peter, he's like a man of the people because we can all relate to being in places where we've said and done stuff. We're like, oh, I wish I could have that back. I, w- I wish I could take that back. And he, he just, he had a tendency to do that a lot. And I wanna talk about a moment where he had his great comeback where by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the truth of God's word, he was able to get that mulligan and have that comeback. Uh, We've all been a part of or we've seen 
great comeback stories, even our, in our lifetime. Uh, if you know the life of Steve Jobs, that was quite the comeback. Uh, Robert Downey Jr., hello, Iron Man. Like, that was an amazing comeback from some very dark seasons of his life. Uh, Johnny Cash, I mean, he finished his race strong, rededicated his life to the Lord. I think about Abraham Lincoln, you know, he lost an election six times before he was finally elected president of the United States. I want you to think about that for a second. Imagine if he had given up on his comeback. Imagine if he had just accepted failure and accepted the lie that he could succeed. Imagine how differently our history would read had he not continued to believe and step into the truth of who God had called him to be and defined him as being. Comeback stories, I think, have one thing in common. They all have this simple statement of hope, and that is, it's not over yet. It's not over yet. I think for some of you, if nothing else, like whatever way you're taking notes, if you're writing on your handout or you're taking notes in your phone, um, certainly not scrolling Facebook, but taking notes on your phone or taking notes in your Bible app, however you're doing that, some of you, if nothing else, that's what you need to do. You need to write that in big, capital, bold letters, it's not over yet. It's not over yet. God still has a plan. God still has a purpose. God has a comeback. He's got a comeback. So just to set the scene, Peter and John, they're in Jerusalem. This is after, uh, this is at the very beginning of the church, all right? So this is after the day of Pentecost where thousands of people got saved. The Holy Spirit manifested. They spoke in other languages according to how the Spirit let them in other tongues and other tongues of men. And so the gospel begins to spread, but they're on their way to the temple and on their way there, there's a man that's begging on the, on the side as they're walking up to the temple and he is crippled and he is begging for money. And Peter goes up to him, the man asks him for money, looks him in the eye and he said, you know, gold and silver I have not, but what I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise, get up. And he reached down, he grabbed him by the hand, he lifted him up and his Legs stretched out, muscle grew in a moment. Could you imagine just watching this? Like you watch these feeble, skinny legs and all of a sudden he starts standing up, muscle starts growing, all the bones start stretching out. And then this dude, because he's so overwhelmed with the joy of the Lord, he just starts dancing all over the place. He had his own little praise break right there in front of everybody. And what I love about that is in that moment, he doesn't care about what anybody is thinking, what anybody is saying. He doesn't care what the religious people say. He, don't care, he doesn't care what the crowd says. He's just shaking what his mama gave him. And I think that's a good reminder because some of us, we have gotten too far removed from the joy of the Lord of our salvation. We've gotten too far removed from that moment where we realize, wow, I went from eternity destined for hell to eternity with a loving Gracious God and Savior. And we've gotten too far removed from that. We lost the joy of the Lord. When's the last time you had a praise break in front of Jesus just because you're thankful for what he's done for you? But this man does that. It's awesome. And everybody around him, they're just like shocked and they start trying to give credit to Peter and John. And Peter set him straight right there in that moment. He said, no. Why do you look at us as if our own power or goodness, we made this man walk. It is the name of Jesus, which has strengthened this man in front of you. And on that day, the word says 5,000 men, okay, not including the women and children, but 5,000 men became believers. 
And the religious leaders are very threatened by this. They go crazy. I find that religious people can spoil anything. Like in a moment, a religious person can spoil just about anything. They, they, in this case, it's, they criminalize a miracle. They criminalize the fact that this crippled man is now up and dancing around. They criminalize that. And then they start, they arrest P&J, peanut butter and jelly, no, Peter and John. And, and they put him in prison because they, they want to question him the next day. They want to question the next day. So verse five, chapter four of Acts. On the next day, their rulers, the elders, scribes were gathered together in Jerusalem. All who were of highly priestly descent. That just, that just sounds like a disgusting group of people to hang out with. When they had placed them in the center, they began to inquire, by what power or in what name have you done this? Isn't that interesting? They asked Peter the exact same question that the crowd asked him the day before. And I know that they knew that he'd already been asked that question and he'd already given the answer. The question was, by what power, in what name have you done this? Don't you, don't you think somehow they would have gotten the memo? Like they're paying attention to this. But this is what I think. I think they probably thought he changed his story. Word had gotten out about who Peter was. Remember, Peter was in the temple courts once before, and he denied even knowing who Jesus was. They knew this, so they probably thought uh, he's going to fold just like he did last time. But this time they want it on the record. They want to catch Peter saying, uh, I don't know what happened. Oh, maybe the dude's just faking the whole time. And all of a sudden, he got up and started breakdancing, and I was like, get it, boy. But I don't know well, why he got saved or healed. They thought he was going to fold because last time he denied even knowing Jesus, his Lord and best friend. So what about this time? Woo! Different story this time. Verse 8. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are on trial for a benefit done to a sick man as to how this man had become made well, let it be known to all of you and all the people of Israel like in case you didn't get it clearly yesterday, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the Nazarene, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by this name, this man stands before you in good health. He is the stone, meaning Jesus. He is the stone that was rejected by you. He's quoting the prophets right now. And the builders by which became the chief, but by which became the chief cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. Mic drop. And I can just hear the eye of the tiger playing in the background like during this whole thing, right? This is a, this is a different scene now. It's a different scene than that weak Fearful, insecure Peter. Hey, you're one of the disciples. No, 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 I don't, I don't even know the guy. I don't know the guy. No, it's different now. He's got to come back. He's in a different place. So how did Peter have this comeback? I want you to know this. 
God's got a comeback ready for you too. He's got one ready for you. When I first was preparing these notes, the way I had it written is it's never too late for a comeback. But you know what I realized? That's not true. No, it can get too late for a comeback. It can get too late. I think sometimes the enemy tries to convince us you can wait. Just wait. You can get right. You got time to get right. I'm sorry, you are not guaranteed tomorrow. You don't know when you're gonna take your next breath. But what I do know is this. When you are ready, he's got to come back ready for you. He can turn the whole thing around. But the spirit of the living God is a gentleman and he won't force himself to make you do anything. He's waiting on you to turn your heart back towards him. And when you do that, you can step into your comeback and it can be powerful. But how did he get his comeback? First of all, the truth changed the way that Peter saw himself. This is huge. Because Peter, man, he fell pretty far. He fell a long ways from being Jesus' most trusted disciple and close friend to completely denying him. And I know that Peter was messed up about this. He was messed up about this. And Jesus, in only a way that Jesus could, came and restored that relationship. But he restored it by reminding Peter of some things that he'd already told him. Have you ever fallen before, like physically fallen before? Anybody just had like a bad wipeout ever before? Anybody in here? Everyone else, man, you are just amazing in your coordination and athletic ability to never fall your whole life. It's impressive. Uh, Sorry about the sarcasm. Um, I have majorly wiped out multiple times in my life. Uh, I do think about one particular instance. Growing up in Colorado, I used to ski a lot. And I was up on the mountain one time and I was in this board park, even though I was a skier. Snowboarders hate it when skiers are in the board parks. This is one of the reasons why I'm in there because I just like, you know, to make people mad, I guess. But I'm in the board park and there's all these jumps and all and a half pipe and all this stuff. And man, things are going good. Like I'm feeling good. I'm feeling cool and everything. And then I came up in this this jump and I didn't, get, I didn't get enough speed going into it. So when you came over the jump, there's a landing area that is downhill and that's what you wanna hit because it'll just kind of give you more of a soft landing. But I didn't get enough speed, so I went straight up in the air and I came right down on top of the flat spot, okay? Like I hit hard. I hit so hard, I had what we would refer to in that world as a yard sale, okay? Which means every piece of your equipment comes off of your body and it's spread out like you're trying to sell it, okay? I hit so hard that when I came down, I tried to cushion my blow by pointing my skis down to let my skis kind of create a shock. My skis just popped straight off and my face came down and I hit my head. So now I'm bleeding all over the place. And, and here's the hard part at that point in my life. The hard part was this jump just so happened to be under the busiest chairlift on the whole mountain. So there are people coming over my head the whole time. Ooh, oh, oh, should have stayed out of the board park. To make things worse, I was bleeding so much, it looked like somebody got murdered right there. Like it was bad. So I'm trying to collect all my stuff from all over the place, trying to get everything back on. Maybe I can get it back together and be like, man, somebody wrecked there badly. I wonder who that was. Hate it for them. It was embarrassing. I don't know if that's ever happened to you. 
I think the worst thing about falling is the aftermath, you know? Now, when we're younger, we see it differently. Like when you're younger and you fall, you're more worried about, did anybody see me, right? It changes when you get older. When you get older, all you're thinking about is, what's broke? What's broke? And you're thinking, tomorrow's gonna suck. The day after that, even worse. Like things change, you don't care as much. I mean, you can still be embarrassed, but you're like, oh, good Lord. <laughs> you start thinking about all your doctor bills and your chiropractor bills and everything else that happens, am I right? The moments we fall in life. And just like those people, you know, coming over in that chairlift. It's the moments that we fall in life that the enemy is Johnny on the spot to start labeling us. Ooh, loser. Man, there's no way you're ever gonna recover from that. You're gonna be rejected because of that. You're gonna be lonely because of that. You'll never find success again. You'll never have a healthy relationship again. You'll never have a healthy marriage again. Your kid will never wanna have a good relationship with you again. And the accuser of the brethren shows up on the scene and he starts lying and labeling you in that moment. And a lot of times we can have a strong tendency to believe them, believe the labels, The only thing that combats lies is the truth. It's the truth. And the truth comes from one place. His name is Jesus. And he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. But he is also the word. In the beginning was the word, the word is with God, and the word was God. That's Jesus. This represents Jesus. It is the truth about what he says that combats. And see, Jesus had told Peter some things ahead of time that prepared him for this moment. He told him some things that would anchor him in the middle of his failure. But even Peter, he struggled with that. Like in his failure, it took him a little bit to remember what Jesus had said. At one point, Jesus looked at Peter, whose original name was Simon, and he said, Simon, you're now Peter, Petros, which means rock. And upon this rock, I'm gonna build my church. Now, you can imagine how encouraging that was to Peter, right? Y'all hear that? What? The rock. Get you some. Did you hear what Jesus just told me? The whole church. Not sure what that is yet, but it's going to be good. He's going to build it on me. How about that? And I'm sure there was some major eye rolling among the disciples. Like, oh, good Lord. Like, we all have that one friend. Like, the last thing they need is somebody to encourage them because their head's already too big to fit through a doorway, right? And I'm sure they're all like, God, Jesus, do you really got to be telling Peter this? The dude already puts his foot in his mouth five times a day because he thinks he's right about everything. 
but I'm sure you know what you're doing, Jesus. He does know what he's doing, right? But here's the thing. Peter wasn't a rock yet. He wasn't. But Jesus called him rock. What name have you been labeled by? What lies the enemy told you that you need to confront with truth? The fact is this, Jesus has already given you the truth that does not change before, during, or after the fall. It's right here. You have that truth. It's available to you. And if you're in the middle of falling, you need that truth. Uh, if you're coming out of a fall, you need that truth. And for those of you that have never fallen before, thank you so much for flying in here on your angel wings and perching yourself in your chair. It's coming. No matter what season you're in, you need to equip yourself with undeniable, irrefutable, devil stomping truth. And it's found in the word of God. And that's something that Peter had inside of him because only with that can God cause you to see yourself for the reality that he sees you, the truth of how he sees you. There's something else that Jesus gave Peter, the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit transformed Peter's confidence. There's a few places where Jesus talks about Holy Spirit and he tells the guys, look, I've gotta go and it's gonna be so much better for you when I'm gone. Y'all can imagine what that moment was like, right? Like the disciples have been walking with Jesus, living life with him, watching these miracles. Like things are pretty cool. Things are pretty good. And Jesus is like, yeah, guys, it is better for you that I go away. Yeah, and some of y'all tried that with your kids dropping them off at Little Life this morning. It's gonna be great. You're gonna love it while they're screaming at the top of their lungs, fighting like, I, like how did that go for you? Well, it was hard for the disciples too. Like, they didn't believe it was gonna be better for them. But what did he say? He said, because if I don't go, then you're not gonna have your guide, your comforter, your confidence, your companion, and your power. Jesus was saying, look, I've been with you, but he's gonna be in you. And that's what makes it better. And Paul put it this way, the greatest mystery ever known that has been hidden for generations is that this, Christ in you, the hope of glory. You see, before Jesus and before he ascended, the Holy Spirit wasn't poured out. We, we didn't all have access to him. It had been hidden for generations. It had shown up here and there and manifested here and there. But it was after Jesus that he was poured out. We could all have access to him. God, the Holy Spirit inside of us. In Acts 1.8, Jesus tells the disciples this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Power. What, I mean, didn't they already have power? Like they'd done miracles of Jesus. They'd cast out de demons in Jesus' name already. That I mean, seems like some good power, right? They had the message of the gospel. They knew the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. 
And Jesus says, oh, no, you hadn't seen nothing yet. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Something's going to come on the inside of you that's going to change everything. And in my personal experience, man, when the Holy Spirit is given free reign to operate inside of you, things change. And I will say that that means a lot of things, but for Peter, it meant power and boldness and wisdom. Holy Spirit wisdom. He quit just saying stuff that he just off the top of his head. He started letting the Holy Spirit go before him and lead him into every conversation. By the Holy Spirit, Peter was no longer this insecure, foolish bull in a china shop. And for me in my life, it meant I was no longer a weak, insecure, socially inept, labeled with learning disabilities from a broken home. It wasn't those things anymore. Those are my testimony. Those are things the Lord will use and has used. Man, I got my real name. I got my real label. And I started walking in the power. And the God had meant for me before the foundation of the earth and before I ever took one breath, the power of the Holy Spirit. I want you to think about how the Holy Spirit changed everything for Peter. It's so crazy. Because like I said, I mean, he already, he'd already experienced so much power. He'd already experienced all this stuff around Jesus. And, 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 and that was important and that was good, but he had heard in real time, seen in real time the power of God. And what's crazy is when push came to shove and the pressure was there and a little girl questioned him about his identity, he crumbled. So it's clear that that wasn't enough. After the Holy Spirit, it was completely different. <laughs> It wasn't that way anymore. And I want to tell you, that's exactly how it was for me. Man, when I finally received everything the Holy Spirit had for me, you can, you can call it whatever you want to call it. For me, it felt like a baptism. It felt like, okay, it isn't just the Holy Spirit in me. He's in me. He's around me. He's going before me. He's going to help me. He's leading me. He's pushing me. He's helping me. And when that happened, everything changed because I was all those things. I was insecure. I had been labeled with learning disabilities. I had been from a broken home. I had been homeless. I had been the guy that everybody said, oh, he's a great kid, but he's probably gonna be just like his dad. Or he's probably just gonna be like everyone else that's come along from a broken home. He's gonna struggle. And I'll tell you, when I received the Holy Spirit, I didn't care what anybody else said because I knew what God said about me. And all of a sudden, the word of God wasn't just words on a page. It was like he was speaking it to me directly from his throne. I didn't read it in third person. I read it in first person. This is what I say about you, James Cody Bennett. This is who you're called to be. Step into it, walk into it, and I'll be with you. There's some confidence in it. Not me. The Spirit of God in me. And some of you have been Christians for a long time. You've called on Jesus as your Savior. 
You have salvation. You've never interacted with the power of his spirit though. We are living in the times that the word talks about that he will pour out his spirit in a new way. It is happening. And I think no matter what your upbringing, your church background or what theology that you've been fed your whole life, I'm sorry, but you cannot box the Holy Spirit into a few chapters in the New Testament. He is still moving. He is still working. He needs to have people that first and foremost demonstrate the fruit of his spirit. The world needs that. But then also fully open and invite the power of his spirit to equip you, embolden you, and give you what you need for life. It's time for that. Notice how this story finishes. As they observed the confidence of Peter and John and understood that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were amazed and began to recognize them as having been with Jesus. That's what it took. Like, they were, that, it isn't astounding to them that a dude who had been sitting there crippled for years jumped up and started dancing around. That wasn't the thing that impressed them. It wasn't all these other, no. It was the fact that they knew that Peter had denied who Jesus was. And now, with the danger and threat of imprisonment or death, didn't care. He was walking in a confident identity and who he was in Christ that can only be birthed out of the spirit of Christ. That's what it took. And that is what the world around us needs. Secure, confident men and women who know their identity in Christ and aren't willing to compromise it for anything in culture, anything on social media, any definition of a TV show or anything else that just know who God calls them to be and they're walking it with power and strength, uncompromising. I guess I'll move on. Number three, Jesus gave Peter a purpose bigger than himself. The truth is Peter would have never have seen his purpose and have been able to walk into it without the Holy Spirit. So there is a step here, but I, I believe that there are, there, there's so much calling, there's so much gifting, there's so much purpose that's existing in this room and it is locked up because of a lack of understanding and surrender to a supernatural God who wants to work those things through you and in you. Your purpose is so much more than your paycheck. It's certainly so much more than all the confines of your schedule and the things that you've made plans for. Your purpose is directly connected to a supernatural God with a supernatural kingdom that lasts for eternity. And Peter had to get a hold of that. Peter had to get a hold of that. And I don't think, without, without the Holy Spirit, I don't think he would have ever truly have seen this. He would have never have had the confidence. Every one of the apostles except John the Beloved were martyred for their faith. And guess what? They knew it was coming. Jesus told them it was gonna happen. But they were still confident. How do we spend our lives? They did a study a few years ago like the, 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 the sum total amount of time that we spend doing certain things in our lives. 
We spend on average 17 years of our lives total sleeping. And some of you are like, no, I got a teenager that is gonna blow that stat out of the water right now. I promise you that. 17 years working. For some of you, that's more like five. Come on. Six months total of our lives at Walmart. Jesus, help us. Some of you are like, no, I don't go to Walmart anymore. I do pickup. Okay, for you, you're gonna spend a year total of your life building your cart because you can't make a decision about things and because they're gonna mess up your order and substitute something that won't work. So you're gonna have to go to the store anyway. We know the struggle. Five months of our lives at traffic lights, unless you live here in Cabot. And the average might be a little higher. And we get up every day only to do the same thing over again. And that is incredibly depressing. Welcome to church. I'm glad I could encourage you this morning. But guess what? When the Holy Spirit helps you get attached to your eternal purpose, even the most mundane things of life, you see it in a different way. So if you're gonna spend six, six months of your life walking through Walmart, you're gonna spend six months of your life walking through Walmart with spiritual eyes to see people around you and potential options that you have to go pray with people, encourage somebody. You're gonna start living your life in such a way that you realize that people are watching you and watching your example and they need to see the fruit of the Holy Spirit in you. So you're gonna stop yelling at your kids the same way that you always have. You may have to correct them, but you're gonna correct them by the leading of the Holy Spirit, not just because you're ticked off at the little crumb snatchers. You live your life different because everything's attached to purpose and eternity. We have to see the big picture with the time that we're given. And nothing, there is nothing in your life that will ignite your life more than eternal purpose. I, we meet with so many people, people we counsel, and it doesn't matter what the subject is. It could be their marriage. It could be their teenage kid that's struggling, whatever it is. But at the end of the day, we can give practical little things that people can do in practice, okay? The, practical legs to walk on, what we would call them. Like, hey, you can take this away and if you apply these things, it's gonna help you. But this is what I've learned. It doesn't matter what the subject is until the person that they're struggling with gets attached to their eternal purpose, nothing will truly permanently change. You'll be in a cycle. So the truth is I can't help anybody fix their marriage until the people that are in that marriage make the decision that their number one priority, their number one dependency, their number one passion in life is to wake up every single day and fall more in love with Jesus and live out their purpose according to his, his word and his kingdom. 
until the people involved in that relationship make that decision, then even the little things that I can give them to take away that day, they won't last. They'll be back in a cycle because God has created us for an eternal purpose that's supposed to be lived out and manifested in every relationship that's around us, but it has to be the number one priority first and foremost. If your kids are struggling, look, I can give you lots of parenting books. I can give you some things that can help you on the practical day-to-day basis, but maybe one of the problems is They don't see their mom and dad living out their eternal purpose, so they don't understand what it is for them. And the moment that you start speaking over them, look, you're struggling right now, and it's okay, because I still love you, and I still believe you. But you know what's more important than that? The only way I can still love you and believe in you is because I know Jesus still loves me and still believes in me. And out of the overflow of my love with Jesus, I'm gonna speak that same truth, that same purpose into you. I don't care how long it takes. I don't care how much you hate me. I don't care how you try to rebel against all the things of God. I'm gonna start speaking the word of God. I'm not going to relent in it. I'm going to keep on going no matter what it takes because as soon as you get attached to your purpose, your life is going to change. And hopefully you don't have to spend 10 years in prison before you figure it out. But you know what? If that's what it takes by the grace and glory of God, that's what it takes. But you're going to keep speaking that truth and speaking that purpose over that child until that seed finds good soil and produces fruits. But you will never have the hope to do that if you're not living the example yourself, mom and dad. What's your priority? What's your priority? Is it clear to your children that your love for Jesus, his word, and the body of Christ is your number one priority? Because if it's not clear, how are they gonna know what their purpose is? I got a little bit lit up on that one. A lot of y'all like coming to the 11 o'clock. They're like, 11 o'clock, filter gone. Pastor might even cuss a little bit in the 11 o'clock. They don't get that for them early risers. No, it's tame at the 9 o'clock. Come to the 11 o'clock when he's a little bit tired and doesn't really care that much. Then it gets fun. But you will receive power when the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And then what? And then what? You'll be my witnesses. Telling people about me everywhere. Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That wasn't just for the apostles. It's like, hey, you 11 guys, it's all on you. This is our commission. This is our responsibility. You're gonna be an ambassador for me, Jesus said. An ambassador to the ends of the earth. And I want you to think about Peter. He accomplished this so much that the majority of people that have lived on planet earth for the last 2,000 years know who this dude is. I'd say he did a pretty good job living out his purpose. Look, you're not gonna get to stand on the stage more than likely like I do and some of you, that scares you to death even thinking about it. So you may not have this platform, but God has given you a platform. Every mom and dad in this room, he's given you one of the most important platforms that exist to influence and lead the next generation. We all have a purpose and a platform to let it play out. 
Are there areas you need confidence and purpose in? Maybe it is that you've just never truly accepted how he sees you. Like really accepted that. You're saying Jesus loves me. But do you know how much he really loves you? Do you know how he loves you? Unconditionally. Do you need power, confidence, and boldness? Well, invite the spirit of the living God inside. Invite him to have control. God the Father is in heaven. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. The person of the Holy Spirit is here with us. But he wants to work in us and through us. He ain't gonna force himself. The devil tries to do that. The Spirit of God doesn't work that way. He's waiting. So here in a little bit, our prayer team is going to be down here in the front. Maybe it's just like, man, I don't know what all that means, but I know I want more of God. I know I need more of God. Some of you, you need to step past and over, please, in the name of Jesus. I speak freedom over the theology that you've accepted that the things that the Holy Spirit and how he manifested and moved was only for the New Testament. I'm sorry, but if you believe that, then you are calling me a liar because I have seen him manifest the same ways in my own life. And whether you like it or not, he already manifested it through me this morning in the same ways that he did in the New Testament. So it's available. He is available. He's here. And maybe you just need to ask the Lord to help you to understand who he is and be open to it and ask him to move in your life. Maybe you need to do that. Maybe some of you, you need to invite him into your life for the first time. Some of you, you need to return to him. Either way, he's waiting. He's merciful. He loves you. Close your eyes, bow your heads. It starts with salvation. It starts with a, a real, a genuine, authentic relationship. It starts with you coming to the creator of the universe, real, authentic, open, honest, and just saying, I'm broken and I need you. And there might be a, a few of you in this room, you, you've never done that before. You, you've never done that. You, you may have been to church lots of times before, but, but it's just been an act. It's been religion. It's been something you did because somebody had the expectation of you going parent made you. Your grandmother made you. I'm thankful they made you. But I'm telling you this, relationship with God, so much more, so much more than what's happening in a church service somewhere. Every day, he wants to be with you as you lay your head on your pillow at night. He's going to be with you. When you wake up in the morning, he, 
He's not going to leave you. He's not going to forsake you. He wants a relationship with you. And maybe some of you, you, you've been through the motions, man. You said the prayer. You even know all the Bible verses. You could quote them. But you feel empty. Maybe it's because at one point or another you fell. And when you fell, the enemy swooped in. He started to lie to you. He lied to you that people don't care about you. He lied to you that the church doesn't care about you. And they gave you plenty of reason to believe that because maybe for you when you did fall, the church laughed and pointed and scoffed and judged. I'm sorry that that happened, but that's not Jesus. That isn't who he is. And you know in your heart that you've got to stop making excuses and pointing the finger at a broken church with a broken group of people as your excuse to reject a God who loves you and wants relationship with you. Maybe you need to come back to him. Maybe you need to rededicate your life. And I want to give you an opportunity. In the word, it says that if you will confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that he's Lord, then you can be saved. So you need to declare this decision at one point or another. You need to tell people. You need to go public with your faith. Water baptism is, is the example that Christ gave us on how to do that. But right there, I wanna give you a chance just to admit it now. I'm just gonna confess right now. Confess right now. And I'm only asking you to just confess between me, you, and the Lord, just like this is me. I'm away from him and I need him and I, I wanna surrender to him. I'm ready for that real relationship with the Lord. If that's you, people are gonna be praying around you and you don't need to worry about what they're doing even if they're not praying because this is the most important decision you'll ever make. But if that's you, if you're ready to confess, I need Jesus. And once you put your hand up across this room, I want to make eye contact with you. As soon as I do, you can put your hand down. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Who else? I'm ready to call on Jesus. Got you, Will. I'm ready to call on Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Yes, ma'am. I don't want to play games. I don't just, I don't want to do this just because, yes, got it. Just because, because my friends do it. My mom and dad did it. My grandma did it. No, God's got something for you. For you. Anyone else? I'm ready to call on Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I don't want to be away from him one more moment. I need him. Okay. Father God, I thank you for those hands and I thank you for their lives and I thank you that they're here in this moment by your design. You love them. You're here to meet with him. Would you pour your spirit on him, them, Father God? Would you? And if you raise your hand, I want us just to talk to the Lord. You can say this just loud enough for your own ears to hear it, but or you can just say it in your own heart. That's okay. Like I said, you need to confess this. The reason why it's important that there's a confession of your mouth is because your own ears need to hear it. Your brothers and sisters in Christ need to hear it so they can encourage you and challenge you. And the enemy needs to hear it because as soon as you declare that he is your Lord and Savior, you have defeated so much of the plan and the attack that he wants to bring against you in your life. But just pray this prayer, see, 
Jesus, I am messed up. I'm a sinner and I can't save myself. But I believe, I believe that you came and you paid the price on the cross for me. You shed your blood for the forgiveness of my sin. Your body was broken so that I could be made whole. And I also believe that you rose from the grave. You defeated death and you defeated my sin so that I can live in freedom for you. But not just so that I can live for me in relationship with you, but so that I can let other people know about you too. I wanna know my purpose. I wanna see my purpose in my work, in my family. Help me to have spiritual eyes to see spiritual ears to hear, a boldness in my mouth to declare your goodness. I wanna live out my purpose. And I ask that you would come, fill me with your spirit. Fill me with your spirit, I need you. I wanna fall in love with you. I wanna understand your word. I wanna fulfill my purpose in the body of Christ. I love you. Thank you. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name.